the failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time. Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future. I'm an environmentalist. A lot of people don't understand that. I think I know more about the environment than most people. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero Carbon East Off. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 2, The Manifesto. I'm Ian Collins, and if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to one of the only podcasts out there that talks candidly about the latest environmental issues. You haven't got to delve through many pages of newsprint to see the growing and emerging dominance of the green agenda. It is everywhere. A brief explainer about the backbone of this podcast. This series mostly follows the views, campaigns and ideas of Dale Vince, the entrepreneur and environmentalist. He built his success in the green energy sector. He's the owner of Ecotricity, the world's first green energy company, and he's also a very proud chairman of Forest Green Rovers. Morning to you, Dale. And we're going to get into some uh, really exciting Forest Green Rovers news in just a second. Yeah, morning, Ian. Yeah, a bit of fun this morning about Forest Green, uh, something that just broke. We'll come to that in a second. But talking of things that have just broke uh, or broken, we... um, We'd be failing, frankly. We'd be kicked off every podcast platform if we didn't mention uh, Donald Trump, who's a, a, a regular occurrence on <laughs> on this podcast for all the wrong reasons. Only yesterday uh, got himself a COVID diagnosis. The man's got the virus. Yeah, amazing. I heard that this morning while I was on the radio um, talking about the Forest Green thing. And uh, I have to say, oh, my God, I thought that there is a God and he has a sense of humor or a sense of justice. <laughs> Of course, you wish him well. Uh, yeah, clearly. <laughs> clearly, let's just uh, well, let's just hear because Trump might be uh, he might take his own medical advice. <laughs> oh my God! And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or or almost a cleaning? Because you see, it gets on the lungs and it. Does a tremendous number of the lungs, so it'd be interesting to check that. So that you're going to have to use medical doctors with. But it sounds it sounds interesting to me. I did hear on the grapevine that uh, 37 domestos lorries were showing up to the White House <laughs> yeah, just brilliant. last night. So it could be serious. It, it should be said, of course, it, it comes rather bad timing for the president, uh, right on the back of what could only be described as a, a mighty piss take of Joe Biden. Biden replied, yes, he'll get rid of those jobs. And he famously told a voter, I want you to look in my eyes when he's not wearing the mask, because I've never seen a man that liked a mask. Look, I'm all for it. But did you ever see a man that likes a mask as much as him? And then he makes a speech and he always has it, not always, but a lot of times he has it hanging down. Because you know what? It gives him a feeling of security. If I were a psychiatrist, I'd say this guy's got some big issues. I mean, you really couldn't make this up, Dale. No, I think it's, uh, it's, it's too perfect, actually. You, you couldn't make it up. And it was only Tuesday, wasn't it? Biden said to him, you know, why don't you go and inject some bleach? You know, that, that might cure the problem. It's almost like Biden is uh, prescient in, in saying yeah. that. And all of Trump's chickens are coming home to roost now. And, of course, he's a high-risk group, isn't he? He's, like, yeah, ob- yeah. obese. He's, like, over 70. And um, is he an ethnic minority? I mean, he's not white, is he? 
No, I, I think the orange people are now protected. <laughs> so, so he's he's like a triple high risk group. <laughs> I, I, yeah, so he's ticking every single box. And of course, you know, it, not to put too fine a point on it, um, I'm sure they've thought about this in the White House. There is an election literally mm. one month away. Well, you have to wonder, don't you? His period of isolation now will overlap with the next presidential debate. Is this just Correct. a smart way of getting him out of that debate? Yeah. Is it? And if he, I mean, if you think about what happened to johnson over here where he he kind of had it and he was sort of all right for a bit and then it all went backwards didn't it and uh, mm. ended up in hospital i mean this could be i don't know what happens here uh, i get does mike pence then have to fight the election that would be funny wouldn't it i mean oh man alive we haven't even started on him we've got a whole new stream of material here Dale. <laughs> The man, the man that won't eat dinner with a with another woman unless his wife is present. I think that was that's what I remember him for. Yeah, that's how he should be remembered as well. Um, let's move on. We've got lots to get through this morning. Loads of questions as well. Uh, but let's start with the really big Forest Green Rovers news. This is this is great a, a great news release in the last day. Yeah, a great story broke this morning. Uh, we've just signed uh, Innocent as our new partner come sponsor. Uh, they've taken the naming rights to our stadium. And uh, then they had this uh, brilliant idea. Let's just put the name out to uh, the public, to, to football fans in general, not just our fans, uh, and see what they can come up with. So uh, we opened that this morning. Uh, we've got some interesting suggestions in already. We're expecting some creative ones, some inventive, and of a course, bit of mischief. This is football, absolutely. <laughs> That's yeah. going to be some mischief. And we kind of want that because, you know, uh, life's too short not to have a bit of fun. Of course it is. It's interesting. Just on the back of that, because I, I know you love clarifying these things, but Suki on Twitter said, uh, Dale, you do know that Innocent is owned by Coca-Cola, right? Yeah, I do. I'm sure, I'm sure when you're signing a deal with somebody, as the owner of the club, you probably knew that. Yeah, no, I did know that. And uh, the guy on the radio this morning said, are you okay with Innocent as a sponsor? Which is a bit of a silly question, really, because we wouldn't have signed them if we weren't. Of um, course. But, uh, but I get where he's coming from. He's questioning that background, I think. But, you know, my view is this. People like Coca-Cola have got to change their business model. They bought Innocent a while ago. Innocent make healthy drinks. Coca-Cola don't. Uh, people like oil companies are moving into renewable energy, electric car charging, supermarkets that sell meat, sell vegan products. All of these yeah. people have got to move their business model. And when they do, we get changed much faster. Of course you do. I mean, that's, that's you know, just root one stuff, isn't it? If you, you can either just ignore everybody and have a big argument with them 24-7, <laughs> or you can attempt to find a, a way in, work with the system, and that gradually changes their systems. Yeah, that's right, because it's a fact that these people aren't going out of business, not the supermarkets, not the energy companies, uh, not the big drinks and food companies. What we need them to do is to go into a different kind of business. Yeah. And I guess that you know when companies crunch the numbers, I mean, there's a reason why Coca-Cola originally purchased Innocent, uh, and there's a reason why Innocent are now uh, sponsoring the stadium. And it, it, the, the kind of synergy, when you break it down, what comes out the other end, you know, one has to reasonably assume is a huge positive. Yeah, and I think it's driven uh, to a degree by what people want. You know, these big companies, they react to uh, what they think is market demand, what they see as market yep. demand. And, uh, you know, so supermarkets aren't putting vegan products on the shelves because they care about animals or, or the environment, uh, but they're doing it because it's what people want. Yeah, and sure. uh, yeah, same with Innocent, same with the energy companies. Uh, you know, the world is moving this way because it's increasingly clear that this is what customers want. Indeed. 
Um, let's talk about this. A new British standard for biodegradable plastic is being published, which scientists say will cut through a jungle of classifications that leave consumers confused. I, I share the confusion, Dale. <laughs> yeah, it is very confusing. My, my favorite is recyclable when you see that on packaging. <laughs> you think, oh, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. I, I could recycle it. Um, but actually, not all plastic is recyclable, so it is valid. Um, I mean, I think it's a crime that you can still make plastic that can't be recycled. Uh, but this is not just a new standard that's coming out. It's an invention. It's, a, it's something that they're able to add to plastic, and it's a kind of... Um, what does it do? It, it kind of it brings about the decay of the plastic at a preset moment in time. So at the moment, they're programming for about a two-year point into the future, and then the plastic starts to degrade from the inside. It's a, it's a piece of genius science, really. Wow. And they can put this into all different kinds of plastic and set the kind of uh, obsolescence state of that plastic. That's incredible. Uh, and that clearly, I mean, again, I share that confusion. If you buy, If you buy packaged salad, for example, in a supermarket – Believe it or not, it's almost never recyclable. Yeah, it's crazy. You think, how, how, of all things, I mean, how many thousands of products are out there, yeah. um, even health-based products that you think would be, there'd be a certain synergy between the, the, the health properties and the, the environmental ones, but apparently none at all. No, it's just wrong. And this is where, you know, governments need to step in and, and set regulations that just don't allow this kind of thing to happen because it is a crime that you can yeah. make plastic that can't be recycled. I interviewed a scientist this week, actually. They're working on a uh, – it's an incredible innovation. It's a bacteria. They've, I think I've got this right. Some of the terminology might be wrong, but it's essentially a bacteria that eats plastic. Yeah. Yes. Um, and they are pursuing this. There is a – in the real world, if plastic wasn't invented, this bacteria feed on a kind of – what's a sort of a – looks like a version of plastic that you get on some plant foods like broccoli and things like that. Oh. Um, but they, they've applied it to actual plastic, and these little – things will eat plastic so eventually you just pop all your plastics into this big bin and a bunch of termites or whatever they are happy days i'm just saying imagining now that kind of apocalyptic scenario you're you know in a film maybe where this this super <laughs> plastic eating virus breaks out of a lab and just attacks the world and everything we have don't say apart. virus don't say <laughs> virus <laughs> but this time it's the plastic termites <laughs> uh, here's a question from adam on facebook um have you shared any detail about your horse bike online explain more for those who don't know what this means though we did touch on it last week Ah, the Iron Horse. Yes, my yeah. horse bike. I was thrown for a minute. Uh, the Iron Horse. Uh, no, there's nothing online at the moment. We're, we're kind of making good progress in terms of the the um, the power of the motors, the the layout of the bike. We've got some innovations in terms of drivetrain, um, and we're, we're working on the look of it now. And I'm just about to hook up with a guy that I think is going to make it for us. Uh, I think as soon as we've got something to show, uh, yeah drawing wise then yeah perhaps we'll put something on the internet but at the moment it's just um on the drawing board okay exciting stuff though uh, watch this space uh, also this the climate crisis is heating up nights faster than days in many parts of the world according to the first world assessment of how global heating is differently affecting days and nights we tend not to think of it in this kind of way you know we think of uh, issues of the planet warming we don't tend to divvy it up between night and day now it's really interesting the study that they've done some parts of the world the days are warming more than the nights and vice versa in other parts but in both cases it's bad for plant growth incredibly because yeah. uh, where the nights are warming more 
it's because there's uh, more cloud during the day and it's wetter and vice versa where the days are warming more. And and in both cases, um, it's harder for plants to grow, which is a little yeah, bit of, of a nightmare kind of outcome for us uh, as, yeah. a, as a consequence of global warming. If it becomes harder for plants to grow because they're great absorbers of carbon, not to mention the fact that, you know, they feed us and, uh, you know, um, and support wildlife. So, uh, yeah, visions of a desert planet spring to mind. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because the scientists, they compared the rises in daytime and nighttime temperatures over 35 years. So this wasn't an insignificant you know, they didn't have a look back at the last few months. This is, it goes over three and a half decades yeah. where they discovered that, of course, there was everything was heating, increasing both day and night. But they found there was uh, a, a 0.25 centigrade difference between day and night. And that's huge. Yeah. And uh, in the same week, I read a story about how ice is melting the fastest it has in the last 12,000 years. So, I mean, that's also a long period of time. Yeah. Um, yeah here's one from jen on twitter uh dale will you ever do a video episode of the podcast i listen every week i wonder where you are well we've all <laughs> wondered where we are haven't we let's be honest i think that would be fun and uh this week i've taken part in a couple of conferences from my office on on camera on zoom or some similar kind of platform and uh i'm really loving it because i can just pop to any part of the world any venue take part and, and i actually yeah. haven't gone anywhere you know it's uh, it's really good. So actually, if you've got the tech, Ian, your end, we've got yeah, the we've got here. the. T- I mean, the tech can happen. We could be, you know, in in moving pictures within uh, literally <laughs> the press of a button. But that that throws up another question. I mean, d- does anybody want to see moving pictures of you and I? Yeah, I'm sure they do. Now, doesn't p- people watch Mike Graham on talk radio? Well, that's very true. That should be the the yardstick by which we judge. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets hundreds of thousands of hits so yeah i let's watch again it's another watch this space moment uh, let's move to the president of china because we talked didn't we last week uh, about the chinese and this I, i've said for a long time uh, china is absolutely the story to watch on this one because all the headlines have just kind of been repeated relentlessly oh it's the chinese and there's no point in doing anything why should i recycle why should i do this because the chinese do terrible damage and actually in the background they've been slowly whittling away at a far more astute environmental agenda than perhaps many people are giving them credit for and they're planning to reach peak emissions by 2030 which is which is no mean feat but i think it's a sign of the times that we live in that you have the chinese premier uh, taking a leadership role like mm. this and, and saying the stuff that needs to be said and giving the kind of leadership that the world needs in total contrast to Donald Trump, the leader of the free world. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because I, I say this until I'm blue in the face. When I, you know, there's so many debates on climate-based issues and, and you're aware of some of the people that I've interviewed on this and some some sort of chronic deniers of just basic science, stuff that isn't even an opinion, Dale. You, know, this, this, you don't have the option to have a different opinion on this. These are facts and we're dealing in facts here. And I always put the caveat in, look, if nothing else, even if you're the, the greatest arch capitalist on the planet, then run with it that way if you have to, because... Yeah. You know, there's money in them their green hills, if that's the, the the way you want to judge it. This is lucrative as well as crucial, clearly, for the planet. Yeah, and I think we'll reach a tipping point for business um, soon, I think. In, you know, it's increasingly obvious to a lot of companies that this is where the future is. And they're beginning to change the business model. Energy companies, for example, are, they're a great example. Um, but they can still see business in the old way of doing things. And we need to reach a, 
uh, a tipping point where you know they just dive into the future and, and leave the past behind. So we're in a transition at the moment uh, for all businesses. And uh, as you say, yeah, if, if if there's no altruistic uh, motivation, then just make it about business. Okay. Uh, we haven't had the book bugle, by the way. I think we should have the – where is the, the book? There, hang on. I can hear it. Vaguely in the distance. Can you hear that, Dale? Yeah. I, it's very I, quiet. <laughs> hang on. He's coming closer. There it is. That's the book bugle. Let's take a moment to mention the book. Okay. What are you going to say? Well, I, it's just, I, I think most people who listen regularly, of course, will, will know that you've been penning this mighty shelf breaker uh, for the last months. Uh, it's ready to go. It, you, I think you can pre-order now, can't you? Yeah, you can pre-order on um, the FGR website. I nearly said something else, but it's a company that I don't like very much. Um, but they've also got it, so I'm not going to name them. Swines. Yeah, they did tax dodgers. Dare they? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm really excited about the book because it culminates in the chapter called Manifesto, which really brings together all of the thinking and the learning and the experience that we've had in business, in sustainability, in energy, transport, and food. It puts it together into a plan for the country. Yeah. talks about what the government need to do, what businesses and what people need to do, and how we just need to change the regulations uh, You know, using technology and behavior change and how we can get to net zero. It's sure. all there. It's all there. Uh, here's one from Callum, uh, who emailed zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk, which is one way you can get in touch. Guys, listen every week. Any chance you could have George uh, Monbiot on the program for a chat? I'd really like to hear him and Dale debating. Well, there is some George news, isn't there, Dale? Yourself, Jolly and Morn, have been... Well, busy taking on the government. Yeah, we were just talking about George yesterday, actually, here saying we should get him on the podcast. So look, we'll, we'll pursue that. But as you say, the news out today is that um, we've scored uh, a bit of a victory against the government. We've been challenging planning policy for, I don't know, it must be three or four months now. Uh, this is the national planning policy which favours uh, fossil fuels. It basically kind of embeds prejudice in favor of fossil fumes, assumes that we need them. Um, Interesting. it's causing all sorts of bad decisions to take place. Like the planning inspector in the Drax case said, you, you know, we shouldn't do this because of climate change, but planning policy overrode him. And, you know, Drax are getting to burn some more crap as a result. Um, yeah. But we've been saying to the government, this planning policy is out of date. It's 10 years old. Within it, it's, it's law that it should be reviewed when it needs to be reviewed. And so we we, we asked them to review it and they came back with all kinds of nonsense answers like we're going to think about reviewing it next year we haven't decided if we even need to think about reviewing it but we're going to do that next year and, and we you know pursued a judicial review and they've finally conceded that they will review it they will uh, think about whether they need to change it that's not the same as saying they agree they need to change it but it's yeah. it's a big step from this government and you think really should we have to work so hard for this? Because the policy is 10 years old. And since it was written, Paris has come along and we've signed up to that. And we've set our own zero carbon by 2050 legally binding target in this country. And that's completely inconsistent with national planning policy that says we need fossil fuels. Yeah. Because we need the opposite. Just a final one to finish on then. Um, did you see this story? When is bread not bread? Oh, I love that one. Yeah. This is the Irish court that has. Uh, ruled that there was so much sugar content in the bread used for sandwiches exceeding the stipulated amount that therefore it should be classed as confectionery. Yeah, when when is bread not bread? The answer is when it's full of sugar. And yeah. it, in this case, it's Subway. And the rolls, believe it or not, have five times the amount of uh, sugar allowed 
for a definition of bread. And this is about a VAT claim. So they, uh, VAT on bread is zero, I think, and VAT on cakes is not. Yeah. Uh, so Subway argued it was bread, and the courts have said, oh, no, it's not. It's cake. <laughs> That's fascinating. It's shocking. But, you know, fast food is like that. Didn't they? They used to be that. I always thought it was an urban myth that used to go around about the Big Mac. It used to say something like, technically, it's got so much sugar in it, it should be classified as a dessert. <laughs> well, it could be so. Because I was about to say, fast food is just like this, whether it's McDonald's, KFC, or Subway. The three big ingredients are salt, sugar, and fat. And they Correct. pump the food full of that stuff because it, you know, it drowns out the taste buds. It makes you want more. And then normal food just tastes boring. And, sure. uh, you know, it's like a drug. It's like, it's like heroin. You know, they get right. all hooked on these big three ingredients and yeah. it should be illegal. And, and, and designed to hit that spot that all the various neurodetectors pick up and that's why you want more of it totally right and that's why all other food normal healthy food just tastes boring yeah you know, indeed. If, if you stop eating this crap for just two weeks vegetables taste amazing yeah that's true enough uh that's it for this uh week dale thank you i think we're going to probably have some big news on the next episode it's looking as if we will I think so. Uh, really big news. Uh, Indeed. But we've been thinking that for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, can't wait. Find out more on the next episode. Dale, have a good week. Thank you, Ian. Speak to you soon. Don't forget, of course, you can subscribe to this podcast for free from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically. Do make sure you leave a review as well. If you want to get in touch, you can email your comments and questions to zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk. Really important bit. Make sure you follow Dale on social media. That's twitter.com slash dalevince or facebook.com slash dalevince. And we'll see you one week from now. Zero carbon east off.